0: Welcome back to a new episode of the Shout at the Devils podcast. I am Justin Brady, a.k.a. Devils Fanatics, and I am here with my co-host, Daniel Amoya, a.k.a. Devils.Report. And guess what, Daniel? The Devils are 7-2 and two in their last nine games played right now. They are on a roll right now. They've had a lot of comeback wins in that span. They, have, they, actually, they actually tied for the most comeback wins in the NHL right now with nine. So they... They've been very exciting to watch as of late, and they're winning games. That's all that matters. It's not pretty every night. A lot of these games, are they're winning games by one goal, but they're winning. That's all that matters, and they're getting points, right? So sure. the Devils are rolling. So we're going to get into these four games that have happened since their last episode. So over the road trip, the Devils went 3-1 and one in that span. So funny enough, the Devils' goaltending has actually been much better as of late, and that oh. showed that's that showed big time in that Seattle game by Akira Schmidt. Dale, you want to get into that?
1: Yeah, so the Seattle game, I could confidently say, was the first time that the Devils actually had a goaltender steal a game for them. And that was something last episode we talked about so much, how it was game, what, 24, something like that, and the Devils still hadn't had a game stolen, not one. And that's exactly what Akira Schmidt did. The Devils were pretty flat. They didn't play horribly, but... They got outshot by a good amount, and Akira Schmid just stood on his head and stole a 2-1 victory for them. I mean, that they needed that. It, it, if you're a contending team, you need your goaltender to be stealing games, even if he's not a superstar like Igor Shosturkin, but you just need it sometimes. And to get that was, was a huge thing.
0: Yeah, he made 37 out of 38 saves in that game. He was big time for us. Um, the Devils actually only had, I think, 17 shots on goal in that game. So, you know what, like you said, Daniel, the Devils are going to need games where their goaltending steps up. And funny enough, this is the first game all season where the Devils have given up one goal or less. So, I mean, oh, what at that point, what, we're 25 games, 24 games into the season, and that's the first time that's happened. That's a little disappointing, I'm not going to lie. But guess what, the Devils did it again, and we will get into that very soon. But let's finish up this road trip here into Calgary. Devils are looking to make it three in a row on the road trip. And that's exactly what they did. They got off to a slow start in that first period. But then the second period, they come out firing on all cylinders. Nico Heischer and Jesper Brad, they've been really good as of late. Nico, ever since he's come back, I said it last episode, he's He's, good. Out, he's had a significant impact on this team. He was on a four-game point streak there, um, except for la- um, leading up to last game. So he was rolling. He was scoring goals finally. He was setting up up great plays for Jesper Bratt, Um, so it was really nice to see, and the Devils were able to hold on to this game. Um, Holt scored a goal in the third period, Kadri scored with five minutes left, and Nico got the empty netter for his second goal of the night, and this was another great goaltending performance in my opinion. Um, I thought this was a very well-rounded performance by the team overall. But Vitek Vanacek, great performance by him, making 23 out of 25 saves, made some big saves. Daniel, any thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I think it's a little funny that Yegor Sharangovich started off the scoring for Calgary. I mean, naturally, just like Miles Wood scored against the Devils. They, it, it, it had to happen. It just had to happen. Yeah. Um, good for Sharangovich, though. he's He's been thriving there. He's been playing really well as of late, so good for him. But the fact that the Devils were able to just put the pedal to the metal they had a horrible first period, and from what we understand, Nico basically chewed the team out and said it wasn't good enough, and right after that, they came out flying the rest of the game. That was a big win. Um, Western Canada, we know, last year was the trip that kind of sparked them, and it seems like it could be the same this year, so that was a good thing. Then they moved on to Edmonton, and Edmonton was...
0: No, they were red hot. They were on a six-game yeah, win streak going exactly. into that game, and I can't... Say, like, oh, the Devils, uh, the Oilers were just the better team going into that game. And they were very hot. They started off really bad to start off the season. I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit for some reason. But, um, no, nah, the Oilers definitely deserve to win that game. The Devils got their asses handed to them, rightfully so. But it's going to happen.
1: That's the thing. Like, I don't think that loss should really concern anyone because the Oilers were one of the hottest teams in hockey. I think they rode, what, five, six game winning streak into that game. Yeah. And they were at home, and they were fresh. The Devils were on the back end of a back-to-back on the West Coast. I mean, it, the odds were just against the Devils, and they kept themselves in it. They You could just tell they were a step slow. They weren't, like, causing all these odd man rushes and stuff. One of, Really, it should have been a 2-1 game if Akira Schmidt didn't have a horrible giveaway. That was completely avoidable. That was bad. That was
0: I, bad. I, I'm going to erase that from my mind. I... I I don't think that. Sh- I mean, it does count against his goal total because that's a stupid part play on yeah. his part. But at the end of the day, I thought for the most part he played good and kept the Devils in this game. And unfortunately, the Devils, well, yeah. they had two shots in the second period, something like that. Uh, that's a problem. So I, I mean, I'm not. I wasn't worried by any means of that game, but it just definitely wasn't a pretty game by any means by the Devils.
1: Yeah, and, the, and then an empty netter. So I know it says scores 4-1, but like I said, you take away the giveaway and the empty netter, it's a 2-1 game, and that's with all the odds against them. So that 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 didn't concern me whatsoever, and I know you're going to get into it. The statement they had coming off that Edmonton loss in, in another very tough matchup against the Boston Bruins. I mean, the Devils played a very good game.
0: They really did. Um, the first period was a little sloppy, but know what? The second period, they played really good. I thought even though they didn't put any pucks in the net, they held their own. They were playing really well-structured defensively. Um, As of late, in my opinion, these last four or five games, I think have been the best stretch of defense the Devils have had. And I don't yeah. want to come off as negative here, but I can't just happen to think that Dougie Hamilton getting injured has made the Devils a little bit better defensively. I hate saying that. I love Dougie. Don't get me wrong. Great offensive defenseman. But I don't know. Ever since he's gone injured, I think the Devils have played much more structured defensively. They've been much better in front of their net, not giving up big chances, not leaving the goaltender out to drive. The outman rush hits have dropped big time in these last five games. I feel like I don't know. Obviously, in this, in this Boston game, V Rebound control was the only reason why Boston scored that lone goal in the first place. And people were like, oh, of course, Tech Vance's rebound control is the worst in the league. Can't. But he fixed it.
1: And but, unlike, unlike past games where he gives up that one bad goal and then it just snowballs and it feels like in the snap of a fingers, there's four or five goals in the back of the net. He was phenomenal the rest of the game and it made a huge difference.
0: Exactly. And the Devils didn't give up that many chances. He had those three big saves in that third period which really propelled the Devils, getting that overtime win by Jack Hughes by who a guy who really needed something. He was on a big dry spell out there without any points in I think three or four games. He needed something. so that that would have been the fourth game without a point if he didn't score in overtime. He needed something so bad. And I love the quote that um him and Jesper he said about him and Jesper Bratt. They're like, we're like peanut butter and jelly. And it's so true. Them together is a dynamic duo right now. Right now, they combine for 67 points, just the two of them, let alone. And Jack Hughes missed five games as well. So that point total could be even more higher if he never got injured in the first place. They're playing phenomenal. Jesper Bratt had a beautiful pass. And over time, they set up Jack Hughes for that beautiful snipe pass. Um, Jeremy Swayman. And I don't know. That's just a great win. A win that you mark on your calendar when you're going into the playoffs, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I'm really losing my voice right now. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. You wonder why the Devils were able to get into the playoffs and why were they able to get so hot? This is a game that you can look back on and that could – For sure. Sure. This game propelled them going into the future. But yet again, the Devils have a three-game stretch coming up here against pretty easy teams, in my opinion. And th- like now they have to build on from this win in ball- against Boston. But Boston at the time, second place in the league. To win against them, a team that you'd even beat at all once last season, to win a game like that, to win a game 2-1, great defense, great goaltending, and you scored when you needed to, that's all you could ask for. So I'm so happy this team won. And now I would like to see some more dominant wins going forward by this team, not just these one-goal games where they barely hang on or have to win in overtime. You're playing Columbus tomorrow night. Win by three goals. You're playing Anaheim. Win by three goals, something like that. I want to see these more dominant wins. So, but great win against the Bruins. Um, yeah. to touch on um, sorry, Dana. To touch on some other things, I is, some issues, minor issues. So, I did the, I did the math. Cool. So the Devils have not scored the first goal in a game since the Seattle game. So in the last three games, they have not scored the first goal in. Uh, They have not scored the first goal in a game much as of late. And it's been a trend this whole season. season, Seven games this season, the Devils have scored the first goal in the game. You want to know their record in those seven games? Let's hear it. Six and one. When they don't score the first goal in the game, they're nine, ten and one. I I don't understand why this team still cannot score the first goal in a game. I don't know why. Yeah, those nine comeback wins look nice. I posted it, but you said it yourself, Daniel, when you were reacted to that post that, yeah, it's a good stat, but also it's a bad stat at the same time because, yeah, the Devils are just finding ways to come back in games every single time. You can't rely on that. They did that last year, and, yeah, they were effective at it, but it's just not a recipe for success in my opinion. They need to start getting ahead in these games because once they do that, they don't look back. They've only lost one game when they scored the first goal. They got to come out firing on all cylinders in these first periods.
1: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I have, I have a couple stats that I want to rattle off. I know you mentioned Dougie Hamilton's absence and how the defense has improved since then. I think that's also a reason that, I, and I agree 100%, I think that's also a reason that the goaltending is playing better because the defense is playing better in front of them and they do kind of go hand in hand over a stretch in those four games since our last episode. 110 out of 117 shots have been stopped. That's a 940 save percentage by devil's goaltenders. That's, Both awesome. that's awesome. Have been great. And we all, all of last episode was basically grilling the goaltenders. And <laughs> I know since then they've woken up. So, yeah. I mean, I guess we, we could take partial credit for that. That's great. But th- that's a huge thing. Um, I talked to Dawson Mercer after last game and he said, getting those low scoring wins is a big bonus for us. And, it's true. I mean, you can't win every game 6-5. We've talked about that so many times. And to, to see them pull it out like that is awesome. Also, we've talked about how Nico Heischer is the glue. 11 four, and one with Nico in the lineup. I mean, that kind of says it right there. And it was the same same theme last season. When, when Nico is in the lineup, the Devils won a lot more than they lost. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he... He just does everything the right way. He's a great two-way player. The even in the Edmonton game, he made a beautiful pass to Jesper Bratt. the only goal, the Devils scored that game. Um, he he's one of those players. But he's not he's not this like highlight, real insane offensive player like Jack Hughes. But he just does the right thing over and over and over again. Um, also another reason that they succeeded so well against Boston defensively, who Boston's a powerhouse. I mean, let's face it. The John Marino-Kevin ball line was dynamite, and they most of their matchups were against David Pasternak's line. These are guys, both Ball and Marino, who have been okay, solid at stretches, but it feels like it's always felt like this whole season that there's more out of them. They're capable of more. And this game was almost kind of a coming-out party in that sense for them because they were... Absolutely amazing. They both led all devil skaters in expected goals for percentage for that Boston game, just ahead of Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes. And like I said, they were doing it against primarily David Pasternak's line. Um, There was one sequence where pasta was coming, coming into the zone and Marino, Marino just like textbook, perfect play, took the body, pushed Pasternak off the puck, got it back. And that's an instance where, Maybe if it was a couple weeks ago, he would have sat flat, been on his heels a little bit. Boston would have got zone time. But Marino just completely shut it down in that game. And he also activated a little offensively. That's another thing. I asked Lindy Ruff about how he felt about that pairing. And he said they defended their top guys well. I like Johnny a lot because he got up a lot on the offensive side. And stick complimented him was good in a lot of situations to break up opportunities. So the Devils need that quote-unquote, shut-down pairing, and up until the Boston game, I don't know if Marino and Ball has done that as well as people would have hoped, but the Boston game, they were phenomenal, and like we said, to put up one goal, to only have one goal against you when you're facing that good of a team, I mean, that that, that speaks volumes.
0: Yeah, no, most definitely, in, like you said with the hits, the Devils actually out-hit the Boston Bruins, um, which is very surprising to me when I just saw that stat now, so... They're being much more physical, especially in their own zone um, when they have to finish these checks to really get the puck out of their zone when they need to in desperate measures. So I really like what I'm seeing out of the defense. To Touch on a negative part. The power play has been 0 for 11 in the last four games. It's like, it's funny how like, oh yeah, the five on five play is the best it's been all season, but then. When that happens, then the power play is significantly declined. And funny enough, the Devils are still first in the power, first in the league when it comes to power play percentage. Um, so I really hope they could find a good balance of both five on five play and power play because the power play is really important. It was a big reason why the devils were able to win as many games as they did in the first 10, 15 games of the season. So they really need to get that going once again. O for eleven the last four games, not good at all.
1: Yeah, I agree. They they've just looked out of sync now. I'm getting a little sick of the, the drop back pass on the power play. Well because it's just it, it's so predictable. Like
0: you I I Dan, whenever you go to games with me, you like you're like you know what I'm gonna say, like oh they're gonna drop the pad the drop the puck back. Yeah. They, they so predictable, they do it every time to set up Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt to go into the zone. And I get it. You wanna have those players skate into the zone because they're the most effective at doing it. But it's so predictable. A guy is literally standing right behind Luke Hughes every single time when he's trying to do his stupid drop back, drop back pass. It is so frustrating. It doesn't work half the time when they do it. They've been doing it for five years now. I don't know why they keep on doing it. It makes zero sense in my opinion.
1: And look, I, I don't have an issue if you drop it back early and you have a guy like Jack Hughes who's currently, in terms of advanced stats, the best in the league in terms of zone entries. that's fine, but there needs to be a little bit of predictability, I mean, you see these penalty killers now cheating for it, because they know that Luke's gonna drop it back, he turns around, the guy literally just waits there, ready to pick it off, like, like, there needs to be some element of surprise, and they've done it sometimes, there there was one time a a, a few weeks ago, that Luke went to drop back, and just saw there was completely nobody because the whole other team was cheating for it because they knew it was coming. So Luke stopped, entered the zone himself, and almost scored on a partial breakaway.
0: I, I don't know why he doesn't skeet the puck in more often. He could do he's it just as good as capable, Jack, in my opinion.
1: He's fully k I, I wouldn't say as good as Jack, but he's he's definitely capable of doing it. Yeah. And like I there once you bring I think, and there's a reason I'm not a coach, I'm sitting here doing a podcast, but the reality is, if there's some element of surprise, the penalty killers can't cheat for it, so then you could still drop the pass back, but they also have to be ready for you to not drop it back and come into the zone, rather than just knowing what's coming, because, like you said, for five years, the Devils have employed the same strategy. It used to be worse. They used to have two drop-back passes, and the amount amount of shorthanded goals they'd give up, and they didn't even have guys to that were capable of entering the zone. So like you yeah. said, they're still first in the league. If this is their worst issue, you know, they're talented enough to figure it out. But I just, to me, it seems too obvious that they're going to be dropping the, the puck back on the power play. But overall the devils are in, they're in sixth place in the Metro, but it's a very, it, it's not, it's not a sixth place where you're like, all oh, the season's over.
0: It's very mistelling right now because the Devils exactly. have played less games than most teams in their division right now. So, and, don't and, look at that.
1: And with how bunched up the Metropolitan Division is, the second place and sixth place are currently separated by four
0: points. That's it. Exactly. And, the, and the Devils have a game in favor on the Islanders as well. So, yes, I I'm not worried about the playoff race right now. Just keep on winning games. And then... By, like, February, March, then we could start worrying about that. Then we could start talking about the playoff race. But just one games. Especially. So, this stretch coming up for the Devils. They have the road game in Columbus um, tomorrow night. And then they have a five-game homestand. These next six games, they need to win at least four, five of those six games. Especially against pretty easy opponents coming up. You play Columbus twice. In this six-game span, I want to get some revenge on those guys. Yeah. Winning, Losing 2-1 is embarrassing, let alone to the Blue Jackets. Um, they need to win both of those games. The Ducks, that's a must-win. The Flyers, yeah, they're playing good hockey right now, but I think they should still win that. And then Edmonton, Detroit, we'll see what happens there. Both pretty good teams. Um, but, yeah, the Devils really need to keep on firing on all cylinders here. They can't take their foot off the gas. They're 7-2. and Yeah, that's great over the last nine games but it's nothing to be satisfied with. They got to keep on winning games and put yeah, it up.
1: In reality, they are still in sixth place, even if it's a bit yeah. mistelty, but that just shows that every point matters so much more. Um, They have the Islanders, Flyers, Hurricanes, and Capitals, all within four points of their reach max. Um, So like you said, they're very winnable games coming up. Um, They got Columbus and then Anaheim. I know they lost to Columbus, they lost to the Sharks, so and no game is 100% slam dunk.
0: Hey, the Sharks but, are not that bad, honestly, right now, just to no, say that. No, they're
1: not. They've been rolling. But, like, they cannot take their opponent for granted. We've talked about every podcast. Ruff has talked about the parity in this league. Any team can beat any team on any given night, so the Devils just need to, as they would, as they did against Boston, just play their brand of hockey. We know what they're capable of. We've seen it now. It's not a question. We know they're capable of playing shutdown defense, getting solid goaltending when they need to. It's, we haven't seen it enough, but we know it's possible. We we know what the offense can do at five on five. When they're rolling, they're rolling. So Definitely. they they cannot do what they did in the Sharks game and just think you're simply better than an opponent because they will run you into the ground if that's the case. And yeah. that that can't happen. So if the Devils are playing their brand of hockey. They will do what they did last season and absolutely steamroll those bottom feeder teams. But I, I don't know if I'm confident enough in what they've done so far to know that that's going to happen. So that for for as sad as it sounds, the Columbus game is going to be a big test for them because that's a game they need to come out flying, dominate, and be putting pucks in the back of the net ultimately because that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, You beat the Boston Bruins at home in overtime. You should be able to beat any other team in the NHL, in my opinion, at least. So we'll see what happens. Big stretch coming up for the Devils. A lot of opportunities for points here um, to get you up in those standings in the Metro Division right now. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how it plays out. But thank you guys for listening so much to this episode. We appreciate all your support. Love you guys. And we will be back next week with an episode Wednesday after the Flyers game. Um, so thank you guys, as always, and peace out. Thank you for listening to Shout at the Devils by your hosts, Justin Brady and Daniel Amoya. As always, let's go Devils, baby! Woo!